0: Listening to the Vineyard Church's UK and Ireland podcast the following audio was taken from the cause to live for 2022 our annual event for students 20s and 30s welcome it's great to be with you just to introduce myself um, my name's Mike and um, now let me get, let's see what's useful for you to know about me um, so I currently live in Bath Um, And with my wife, Flick, we lead Vineyard Bath, a a church down there, which is 10 years old. Um, And we moved down to Bath from Nottingham. So I'm Nottingham, this church, and this city was my home for 12 years. I studied here, trained here, became a physio, worked in one of the hospitals here, um, ended up being bivocational after a few years and um, was working here on staff for uh, seven years. Hey guys. Um, and, and so this kind of feels familiar. I'm back home where kind of things started. Um, and so yeah, I was on staff here before God took me, took my wife and I, and at the time our two children, we now have three, um, on the crazy journey of church planting. And um, so we headed down to Bath with a team of, a, of th- uh, was it, 10 adults, no, 13 adults, 10 kids. And we planted the church back in 2012. So that's 10 years ago. And since then, or over the last 10 years, not only have I been involved with that, leading and planting um, that church, um, I've also been part of the church planting and multiply team here at Vineyard. And so I my main role if you look on the uh pathway that you've seen on some of the flashes that have come up with all the various the five steps that you can go or hopscotch through as sarah said this this morning um i am i'm responsible and involved with the launch training so that's the middle piece which when someone's gone through leadership essentials they've maybe gone to the college and then it's kind of like what do we do what am i called to where am i going what is all this about i spend and have spent for the last 10 years walking with those that are church planting um, on that journey of launching them and seeing them go on that adventure, moving to a different city or a place and planting a new church. So for the last 10 years, I've spent my life planting a church and I've spent my life walking alongside those who have planted church. And you're thinking, is Mike just going to talk about church planting? Because I would assume, if I took a, well, let's let's just try this. Let's just try this out. If I said to you that you feel a sense of calling or stirring to potentially plant a church, just raise your hand. There's no commitment. I just be interested. Okay. So, one, two. Okay, a handful. If I said to you, who here? feels a yearning and passion to see the kingdom of God advance. Who'd put their hands up? Fantastic, go. So, what I I want to explain and begin and premise this whole time uh, together this afternoon is this. In my 10 years of walking with people who who are church planters, if I'd said to them at the beginning of that journey, You know, are you willing to lay down your life, to move to a new city, to gather a community, to organise services, to put together rotors, to preach every week, to uh, organise projects that can serve the poor? Nearly all of them would say, I'm not signing up for that. But nearly every one of them, when I sit with them and say, what would you give your life for? They would begin to articulate a deep growing passion and yearning and a breaking of their heart for a particular people group, for a particular place, of something that they want to see God do in their time and through them. And what I've learned as I've walked with people is, and I almost entitled my, uh, my seminar, which was extending God's kingdom and planting churches by accident, and I think that's the most healthy way to consider and process calling and the possibility of planting healthy churches. And so, I just want to begin by a little bit of sharing a little bit of my story, and then I just want to spend a bit of time unpacking and looking: what does it look like? What do we read through um, the words of Jesus and how he worked with his disciples and equally how we see in Acts the birth of the early church? What can we glean from that as to what it might look like to step into what God is calling each of us to do, which is first and foremost to advance his kingdom? And I believe as we advance his kingdom, the natural, the natural outworking of that is we plant churches, we multiply communities and we see God advance and strengthen his church. So as I said, I was a reluctant church planter. I never would have put myself in that category. I was on staff, I was doing youth and students, um, and all the fun fun that came with that. I basically think anyone that does youth and students is someone who doesn't really want to grow up. (laughs) And and some of you are doing that now, because I can see you in the room and you're laughing. And, um, And that was me. And if I'm honest with you, I still don't want to grow up. And I still love to be doing youth and students. And most of our church are youth and students. And I love that. Um, but God began to break my heart for what I believed church could be and should be. And he began to open my eyes and expand my imagination of what actually healthy growing communities of faith could do and how it could transform a city how it can transform a community and that maybe God was calling me to be part of doing that and building that and leading into that and actually my calling began when I was uh, 18 I was on a year out um, in, um, in Zimbabwe and um was loving it. And I, um, I, I described, I went to Zimbabwe, arrogant in my own abilities. Um, God broke me down, humbled me. And I came back like arrogant in what God could do. And I saw, God, I got asked to do things that I've never have been expected to do. I, I preached for the first time. I shared the gospel for, you know, properly and intentionally for the first time. I see, saw God move in power for the first time. And I came back. With this, 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 with my life completely captivated and laid down for Him, and um, I didn't know what it would look like and how it would work itself out, and um, and you just realised you're in the wrong seminar. <laughs> <laughs> no, i always awkward moments, isn't it? Um, and um, and so I, the Lord spoke to me prophetically in, whilst I was away, and He said, "I'm calling you into leadership." And I had my plans. I had my life laid out before me. I, 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 I thought I was going to be uh, a trained physio. I wanted to do that in the professional sport environment. I wanted to do all that kind of stuff. So I had my plans of what I wanted to do with my life. And what I realized from the age of 18 until today, he has just genuinely turned my life upside down. But equally, it hasn't been a laying down and losing, but it's been a discovering of way more than I thought or imagined. It's not only, it's not been laying down who God has uniquely made me to be to do something that I don't fit in. Actually, it's been God taking everything I am, all my uniquenesses, gifts, talents, And using those and bringing them into a context and me not realising how they could be used for the shaping of his church and the building of his church. And so if you sit here this morning, this afternoon, get the right one, this afternoon, and you're thinking, I don't, I don't really know what God is calling me into. I'm not quite sure whether I feel comfortable with some of the language around leadership or church planting or church leadership or being on a church staff or a missionary or any of those things. You're thinking, I wouldn't put myself in that category at all. You are in exactly the right place for God to turn your life upside down and him to lead you into an adventure. Because as far as I'm aware, the only criteria that, that I see in scripture around what he calls us, well, you know, those he's calling into extending his kingdom and building his church is one of availability and willingness. I never went into it because I felt competent and confident and those that are around me will know that i probably feel less comfortable in church i feel more comfortable in the pub and when we do church in the pub i come alive firstly cuz i can worship with a beer in my hand but secondly My journey of coming to faith was was this miraculous encounter with God. I didn't have any experience in the church. I didn't grow up in the church. My church was a rugby pitch. I spent all my time at a rugby club playing rugby. I never went to church. And God got hold of me by the scruff of my neck and he turned around and said, I exist. And then he took me on this crazy journey of going, I'm calling you into this thing called the church. And so I would say I had no baggage and I had no heritage. Some of you have grown up in the church. Some of you have been in the church for years. That's all you've known. Some of you have hurts and pains and frustrations with the church. Others of you love it and it's been a place of real home and healing and passion and excitement. But I want to begin and say that nothing disqualifies you as you walk this out with Jesus, as we surrender our hearts to Him. The barriers that you might have, the ifs, the buts, the whats, the hows, the how does this fit with this? I just want to encourage you in this moment would you be willing? Would you dare just to lay it down for a moment? Just lay it down. And ask that question. Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me do with the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years of your life? Place the dreams that you hold. Don't discard them. But just give them to the Lord, just gently in your hand. Open it up to him. Because you see, when you do that, you're going to go on a journey that you won't want to hear. And that's of dying afresh to him and I don't want to sit here and speak to you guys this this afternoon and not give you the real story as well I do want to talk to you about the cost of what it means to follow him what it means to partner with him and what it means to advance his kingdom with him If you've got a Bible, just turn with me just to Luke 9. Luke 9, verse 57 says this. It's under the title, The Cost of Following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, this is to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of you can think of worship songs that you have sung even today, which reflect something of that? I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything for you, Jesus. Yeah? Words that roll off our tongue. They bring us to a place of surrender. We offer our hearts to him. Jesus replies, foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the, man of, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's chapter 9, verses 57, 58. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, okay, guys, to follow me means we detach ourselves from the ways of thinking that we have been brought up with around the conveyor belt of self-sufficiency. It means that we bring to him and lay down to him and we trust in him on the promises of the kingdom and not of this world. That means that he is our provider that we build as he would build, which is completely, off, completely different often to the way that we live and the expectations that we have of ourselves and others. He says, we need to lay down some things before we can step into the followership and the obedience, um, obedient walk with him. He then goes on, he said to, the, to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the, de- the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and look back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Hey. I- He's quite direct isn't he? <coughs> not fit for purpose in my in my in, in my Bible here, I have underlined two words they 're the same word twice, and it's the but beginning uh, but he replied, and then later on he see, but first, let me go back let me do This first, with my kids. I've got three kids and I'm forever asking them, will you you come for dinner? Will you come and eat dinner? Oh, but wait, but I'm just, I'm just, let me just finish this YouTube video. You can still watch that at any point. It's a recording. Yeah, but I've just got to finish it. Yeah, but, and I'm constantly in this tension. I say, no, 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 come and do this. No, but, no, but. And I wonder this afternoon, whether just in this moment in our hearts as we've laid our lives before him, as we give to him all of our hopes and our dreams and the next four or five decades that are ahead. What comes next may be the buts, the surface. But what about that degree that I spent all my time and investment into? What about my expectations that my family have of me? What about the graduate scheme that I've already been agreed to, to sign up to? What about the, set, the, 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 the dream of going, you know, going back home or going abroad or wherever it may be? But, but what about my insecurities? What about... My nervousness and my social anxiety that I struggle with to even be in a room with other people, let alone being up front or let alone speak to people. What about what about the 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 secret habits in my heart and life that I know are a battle between me and the Lord and just are, are an area of immaturity and insecurity. disobedience like surely all of these things would prevent me from stepping into the journey that God is inviting me into but let me first get myself sorted let me first sort my life out let me first get my things in order and then From a worldly perspective, I grew up with a lot of my friends wanting to go and they, their plan was to go and get jobs in the city, go get jobs in London, go and work as a banker and make, make a load of money. That was just their desire. You know, I want to go and do this and do this and that. And I, and I also remember them all saying to me, Mike, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that for a few years. And then um, once I've made it, once I've sorted it, I'm going to kind of do the things I want to do or what I'm passionate about or the things that I feel really excited about doing do you know what majority of them are still doing the same thing and I think to some degree we can take that lie and we can have that in our walk with the Lord and our walk of obedience the but the what if the how I don't know But what I want you to realise that this cost of following Jesus' passage in, in Luke's Gospel is in between the two passages where Jesus sends out the 12 and then sends out the 72. And actually, if you, if you see, it's literally just before Jesus sends out the 72. The cost is visible, it's seen. It's explained by Jesus in his response to it. And then what does he do? He appoints 72, to and in pairs they go out. And this is what he says. After that, after, after this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them two by two ahead of him to each town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask of, ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field go I am sending you out like lambs among wolves do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road when you enter a house first say peace to this house if someone who promotes peace is there your peace will rest on them if not it will return to you Stay there, eat and drink whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wage and do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and, welcome, and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick uh, who are there and t- and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town the town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near, I tell you. It will be more bearable on the day of Sodom than for, the, for, that, for, that, for that town. And he goes on with some quite strong words. So he sends out both the, 10, the 12 and the 72. And many of you, and we all know the story. What do they do? They come back. And they are amazed because they have been given the authority and the instruction, and it is. And they go and they see what God, uh, what Jesus invites them into. But is it interesting there that Jesus is very clear on his instructions? He he alleviates some of the buts. Don't take provision. Don't take, don't worry about this or about that. But just listen to my voice and my invitation and my instructions and my commands and go, go and do it. Go and do it. Now, flick forward to me to Acts, Acts one. And I'm gonna flick around quite a lot this afternoon. Now, my favourite, as you can imagine, as, a, as someone who spends a lot of time with a head of a, a, a church planter or with other church planters, I love the book of Acts. It's my place of just sitting and being reminded and being inspired and trying to kind of understand, Lord, what are you doing in here? What are we not seeing today that we, that we read in here? But I want us to be reminded in verse 8 of chapter 1, we read the fulfilment of what, of Jesus' instructions and promises Jesus has 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 died on the cross he's been risen he's appeared to the to the disciples and he says to them to this but you, on verse 8 you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth Jesus trained equipped and empowered and sent out his disciples and here we see again he is reminding them that they carry the continued mission of God to not just impact those around them in their immediate scenario in Jerusalem but it would spread on an ongoing outward trajectory. Jerusalem, the city, Judea and Samaria the area and region, and to the ends of the earth, there is no stopping what God is wanting to do. We read in Paul's uh, writings, and I love it, he writes in 2 Corinthians, he says that we, he's describing himself and his workers, that we are an aroma of of Christ, that, that we are to fill everywhere with the aroma of Christ, which is the knowledge of God. I love in Acts in this. If you flick forward, I'm trying to remember where it is. Here we are in Acts five, verse twenty-eight. The apostles have been um, arrested for proclaiming and speaking and teaching of Jesus. They've been put in prison. They've then been miraculously released. They go back and they're preaching again and they are brought to, uh, in front of the religious people. And this is what they say in verse 28. It says, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. This motley crew of disciples who have scattered and been regathered by Jesus, by the resurrected Jesus, who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, who have get, who have gathered some momentum, have filled a city with the teachings of Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I think of Bath or Bath, wherever, wherever you're from, I don't see my city having been filled with the teachings of Jesus. Like that, Yet, yet these small group of disciples, apostles and the gathering cr- crowd of, of, of the early church were filling a city with the teachings of Jesus. And we read on in verse 42, it says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Like Guys, this is the story that we are a part of. We as the church today continue to fulfil this story here on earth at this time. It's our remit, it's our purpose. And I believe that God is longing to raise up the next generation of those who will continue to stand in the gap. And to model what it is to pursue his kingdom with everything they've got and to lead a whole bunch of a motley crew with them. And to fill cities and towns and villages with the teachings of Jesus and turn it upside down. And to proclaim the kingdom of God is near. And to recognise that they have the authority given to them by God. In so- and demonstrate the kingdom in signs and wonders and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And sometimes I believe that our, our vision for our lives and for church is so small. We've just got to try and hold this thing together or we've just got to keep going or we've just got to try and fulfil the dreams that I have for myself But, guys, my experience as we lay down our lives for God and we offer it to Him and we bring Him our butts and our ifs and our whens, my experience has been oh, my word, does the horizon lift and expand and the possibilities begin to grow. From, from what I see around me to what could possibly be, but the journey requires us to lay something down, to offer it up to God, to not empty ourselves, but simply to offer him what we have. And with with my passion for church planting has become my passion with multiplication. Multiplication being that anything that is, as God begins to, um, to put his hand on something, it tends to multiply. It tends to expand and grow and deepen. Now, hear me on this. It's really important you hear me on this because I'm experiencing this in my life at the moment and the areas of ministry that I'm in. Multiplication doesn't always mean numerical growth. I believe it leads to it at times and there are seasons of it. But multiplication can be equally a deepening, a strengthening, a releasing. And I, I would say that if I was to give you any reflections I have on where the church is out, I mean the church, um, from my experience and my, my observations in my area, in our city, across the nation, th- across the movement, is that the church has been deeply shaken, deeply shaken and turned upside down in the last two to three years. There are things that need to be done differently than what it has been done before there needs to be a new wave of church leaders who listen to God to see what God is asking them to do and to step in with obedience. That it's not always just repeating what we've seen in the past, but it means to step into something new. It doesn't mean that we discard what we have learnt, but we always have to have our hearts open to what is possible and where God is leading us. For me I love stories that expand my expectation and the possibilities of what God could do through individuals and through groups of people. I love to hear stories. I love to steal stories. But, you know, there's a few little stories in my life that I recognise and I look back on. And they, rem- they are moments when God shows me just the first fruits of what he could do. I remember when we planted the church and um, we moved to Bath and we started in our home. And in the first evening at our home, 24 people came knocking on our door. And they fill, we filled our tiny little living room with 24 people. It was very sweaty and worship was very intimate. And um, the next week I hi- we hired the pub down the road. It had just been reopened and we opened that up. And we had, um, I think it was about 40 people that turned up in, at, this, at the pub. Uh, that, that's unusual for planting a church, by the way, just to let you know. Uh, it, it was just like, wow, God, I, this was God's bringing a bunch of people. But what was the most beautiful part of this was this. These people who had come were exploring whether this was a church that they might get involved with. But one of them had brought their friend along. Their friend wasn't a Christian, didn't know anything about church. And they'd come to this kind of early meeting of a church. We, in that evening, we worshipped and we invited the Holy Spirit to come. And in that moment, he gave his life to Jesus. And I remember sitting at home going, it was worth everything. The stress of moving house, moving home, and moving city, and gathering a group of people in the last three to four months, it was worth it just for that one person. Seeing that person come into life with Jesus and seeing that person being transformed. That for me was a first fruit of God expanding my mind of what he wanted to do. And I I hadn't even done anything at that point. Do I mean, I just opened my home up and invited people to come. I love to hear stories of when people have taken church and gathered it in in crazy and weird spaces. Like we didn't do anything crazy, but we, we started church in a nightclub. And um, every Sunday morning, you walk in and your feet would stick to the floor from the night before. And you walk into the toilets and there was vomit. I loved it. Not the parents who were bringing kids didn't really like it, but I loved it because we had people that would walk into our our, our gathered environment of church. And they would walk in and some of them had been partying the night before in the same space. And they looked bleary eyed and hungover. And they were standing there and they were like, their heads were like, what does this mean? Like, uh, you're messing with me. Like, this is a church, really? Like, this is church? Yeah, we're just people of God gathering in a space, worshipping Him. Wow. And suddenly their barriers to what, to church and to Jesus, suddenly to drop. And suddenly they suddenly meet Jesus in that space and in the community that was gathering. I love that. That makes my heart come alive. I love the story that some of you would have heard of a guy called um, Tony Campolo, uh, a famous speaker and preacher. And um, some of you would have heard this story before. and I love it, and I tell it because it, for me, it expands the vision of church. He was on a speaking engagement in Honolulu. And one night he couldn't sleep. So he decided he would go out and try and get a cup of coffee at two in the morning. He went to the cafe, found this kind of greasy spoon cafe down the side of a back street. And he went in there and he walked in and this guy came out from the back and he said, kind of looked very disgruntled, what do you want? He said, can I have a cup of coffee and a donut? And the guy kind of looked at him and begrudgingly came and grabbed the coffee, filled it up, slapped it down, wiped his hand down, picked a donut up, put it in 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 a serviette and slapped it down. And as he was sitting there drinking his cup of coffee and eating his donut, a whole group of girls came into the, in, into the cafe and they sat down. And they, it was a small cafe and they kind of surrounded him. And he realised soon enough, because he was listening to the conversations, that he was surrounded by 10 prostitutes, girls that were selling their bodies for sex in the area. And he sort of felt kind of uncomfortable drinking his coffee and eating his donut. And they were chatting away and he heard these two girls sitting next to him and one of them turned to her friend and said, um, oh, it's my birthday tomorrow. And the other girl said to her, Agnes, what do you want me to do with that? Like, I don't care. She said, well, I, didn't, I didn't tell you to, you want to do anything. I just just remembered and I just wanted to tell you. She said, well, that's great. Happy do. You know, what do you want me to do? Kind of thing. And Tony totally listened to it. He heard it Anyway. The rest of them finished up and they all left to go out for the rest of the night. And as he was sitting there finishing up his coffee, the guy came out and he said, do you know those girls? Do they come in, in here every night? And he said, yeah, yeah, every night. At two o'clock they come in. He said, do you know the girl Agnes next to me? She's like, oh yeah, well, I know Agnes. She's a sweet girl. She's had such a difficult past and um, she's a lovely girl. No one does anything good for her. And he said, well, I heard that it's her birthday. Is there any chance that we could perhaps maybe throw a birthday party for her tomorrow night here. If she comes here every night, could, I, could we throw a party? And he looked at, the guy looked behind him and looked him in the eye and said, man, that would be the sweetest thing anyone has ever done for her. Sure, we can throw a party. So he said, well, okay, well, I'll go to, to the supermarket tomorrow. And I'll get some, some streamers and decorations and uh, I'll get a cake. And the, guy, the cafe guy says, no, no, I'll sort the cake out. So he said he's going to get the cake and say she's going to do this. And as they, um, so off they they went and the next day he came back at two in the morning and the cafe guy had basically sent out word to any prostitute in the whole area. And this cafe was full, full of prostitutes to celebrate the birthday. And there was a cake. And at two o'clock Agnes comes in. And as she walks in, the whole place erupts singing happy birthday, happy birthday. And as she walks in and she grabs the hand of her friend and her knees buckle because she's overwhelmed with emotion. And she walks towards it and the guy, the cafe guy walks out with a birthday cake with the candles on. And they're singing happy birthday, happy birthday. And she's crying. Everybody else is crying. She looks at the cake and it gets to that point. And there's silence. And the guy goes, you're not going to blow out the candles? Agnes, come on, blow out the candles. She said, oh, I'm not sure I want to. She said, well, cut the cake then. Cut the cake. I I don't want to cut the cake. And he turned, she turned to Tony and said, do I have to cut the cake? He said, no, it's your cake. You do whatever you want. And so she says no I don't want to cut the cake I just want to take it home I want it to sit in my house for a while I don't want to lose this moment so she takes the cake and uh, she thanks everybody and she walks out really slowly and she heads back to her house she walks out everybody's sort of standing there not knowing what to do (laughs) so Tony turns around and he says well let's pray for Agnes everybody's like okay so he, he just prays, he prays, prays for her life, he prays for her past, he prays for her future and she, she, he lifts up to God and, and everybody kind of at the end gives a big amen and then they kind of all shuffle out and they leave the room. At the end of it, it's just him and the guy that runs the cafe. The guy from the cafe turns to him and said, I didn't know you were no pastor, no preacher. He said, what kind of, what kind of church? Do you lead? And he turns to the guy and he says this, I guess I lead a kind of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at two in the morning. And the guy turns to him and says, no, 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 no. no. Because if there was a church like that, I'd go to it. You see, advancing the kingdom of God And planting churches are simply about embodying what God calls us to do. You see, everyone in this room raised their hands to say, I want to see the kingdom of God advanced. I want to be part of that. What if (laughs) when you go and do that and you embody the heart of God and he leads you into places and spaces that you never thought you'd go, What if he begins to break your heart for a group of people that don't yet know Jesus and don't yet know what it means to be part of church? What happens if God is calling you (laughs) to pioneer a community that is yet reached by Jesus? Jesus. By the church itself Jesus is leading you into that place are you willing to be disturbed to be disrupted to lay down your life the number of church planters that I know that would say they've planted a church by accident because they just simply pursued obediently what Jesus was inviting them to do There's a guy in our church who, when I spoke to him, I went for a coffee with him. So tell me a little bit about your life. He said, oh, when I was about 12, 13, my youth group would kind of go and hang out in McDonald's um, before church. And, um, and I love that. And um, before you knew it, 10 young people turned into 20 young people that turned into 30 young people that turned into 40 young people. And there they were in, in McDonald's every week and suddenly he found himself working out, how do I disciple people? How do I, I suppose I need to probably say something. So we learned how to communicate. And then he'd find people saying, could I meet up with you and chat through some stuff? And he'd find himself pastoring and caring for them and trying to work out how to lead them further and deeper into the relationship with Jesus. I said, so you, plant, you planted the church then? No, I didn't, no? Yes, you did. The church. I hope this afternoon what I'm hoping to do is to lift some of the barriers that maybe you have or others may have around this thing called leadership, church planting, pioneering, and allow you to dream and allow you to begin to offer yourselves and to give your not my will but yours to Him and recognize that that might lead you into places you never thought were possible and maybe weren't ever even on your map at the moment. But sometimes we need to let go of the buts and the ifs as well. That we have to be willing to kind of lay down our stuff (coughs) and recognise and hear me on this and have grace for me on this, that many of us have received the gospel that says we invite Jesus into our lives. and he will make our lives better. But can I just, in the nicest possible way, say that's not the gospel. The gospel says we lay down our lives and we fold them into his. And our lives get immersed into this much bigger story called the kingdom of God. And we read of what that looks like in scripture. And we hear of it through stories and examples and other people's testimonies. And our job is to try and discover what it is that God is leading you into. And maybe, just maybe, it's worth offering up first what you think you should be doing and where you think should be going. And allowing him maybe to turn your life upside down. And take your uniqueness, take your giftings, partner it with others, building teams, building groups of people that start to have similar desires and passions. Down in Bath, I am passionate, and those of you in the room will nod as I say this. I am passionate about seeing anyone and everyone discover the reality that God wants to use you. No limits, no ifs, no buts. God has a plan for your life, but it's not simply giving you what you want. (laughs) actually to go on a different adventure a new adventure one that you haven't yet discovered or maybe you are in the process of doing it will require laying down some of your hopes and dreams maybe but picking them back up with his lens and allowing some of your values to be shaped reshaped allowing you to, to, to lead into the promises of God to understand that living in the kingdom is not like living in the world. It means laying down some of your expectations around money, stability, control, and surrendering to him and say, Lord, not your will, but my, not my will, but yours. I'm quite a simple guy and if I was to describe what it means for me to live every day both as a church planter but simply as a dad and as a husband and as a follower of Jesus is this, I listen to him, I hear him and then I do. I listen, I hear, and then I do. But that simple act is hard. It's hard. Because to listen, to hear, and to do often requires me to let go of a lot of things that I hold dear. You see, when Jesus went into the wilderness, you see that he was tempted by the devil in ways that are in the areas that so often are the things that trip us up. When you see how the Spirit led or God led the people of Israel into the wilderness, we see what God needed to do in them. He needed to refine them around the areas of dependence upon him. He needed them to lay down, or allow the idols to surface and them to break. And he needed to lead them into into the inheritance and into his promises. It's not much different to what you heard Pete talk about, is it, this morning? That there's a letting go, there's a preparation. There's a formation, and then there's a transition into something new. Many of you are studying. Many, many of you may have graduated. Many of you may be in jobs. And walking out and discerning your calling is difficult at times. Do I do this? Do I do that? Why do I do that? Why do not I do this? And I just want to encourage you in that place, learning what it is in that simplicity to listen to him, to hear him and then do is critical. You read in scripture, particularly through the words of Jesus, you see time and time again, this idea of learning of what it is to be faithful in the small We know, this, we know the parable, don't we? All of, the, of, of those that were given bags of gold. Some, one person was given 10. What did they do? They invested 10. Good and faithful servant, you were faithful with what I gave you. I will give you more. One that got five, what did he do? Invested the five. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with the five. I'll give you more. The one, what does it say? I was fearful. So I dug a hole. And I placed it in it. And the response that servant got was a little different. My sense, as I stand here just looking at you guys, is that you will all have been given something to invest, even right now, to invest in his kingdom. might be time, might be money, gifts. Some of you might be in a season where you're serving in a particular ministry or in an area of church or whatever it may be. He's inviting you to invest in what you have. And he's inviting you to go on a journey of what it looks like to be faithful with the small. And in doing that, we learn what it is to journey into our calling and what God has for you. being faithful in the small and in the private and being obedient in your day to day. I believe that if God wants to raise up a generation like you guys, when I look in the room as I see you guys worshipping, offering your hearts to him. Just think how many cities how many towns and how many villages could be filled with the good news of Jesus and turned upside down? Just think how many people groups that are yet being touched by the kingdom of God, that are alienated from the church, that feel they can't even be come towards the church or are kept distant from the church. What would it look like if, if you guys started to say, I'm intentionally being led by Jesus into that space to bring the kingdom of God. And in doing so, I'm going to stretch the tent walls of the church.